So I think uh, Wolverine is the best in, ter- <laughs> <laughs> in terms that's a of... a hell of a start. It's yeah. much better than I don't really like Superman. Well, that's <laughs> the thing, I suppose, in terms of uh, putting out cards on the table. I was always a Marvel kid. And yeah. I think the reason I got into comics, and it's a pretty usual tale, I think, of the way these things tend to go, is that my older brother Kyle, just we went and saw him once, yep. and he gave us all these comic books. And he had heaps of like really old school, awesome Wolverine comics where he was wearing like a weird blue jumpsuit and stuff and was in Madripoor and all this sort of thing. And it was just immediately awesome. Uh, So I was in the tank straight away. I used to just desperately want to be Wolverine when I was a kid. I just used to think I just wanted to be him so hard until I realized that I would immediately go to prison. (laughs) For just killing everybody. Yeah, I mean, because half the appeal is obviously the whole immortality healing thing, but the other half is just solving your problems by cutting them into three equal pieces, (laughs) which is cool. But I'm like, I would have one amazing night of being Wolverine and then I would be in prison. And sure, you can cut yourself out of prison like maybe three times max before the government figures out a way to... Put you in like weird adamantium stirrups or something. After I decided I couldn't be Wolverine because of the prison thing, I decided that I desperately wanted to be Spider-Man, which was easy because I was such a four-eyed nerd. (laughs) So Spider-Man I loved. uh, But as you know, we grew up in sort of regional Australia. So again, I was like, well, that'd be cool, but there's nothing to swing on. There's no buildings to swing on in Argent Street in Broken Hill. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you grow up fast in the country, I suppose is the moral of that story. (laughs) So I didn't have have an older brother, so it was was actually you and Nick that that introduced me into comics and you were such an epic Wolverine fanboy that I felt like I didn't really have any choice but to... (laughs) I brooked no disobedience. Yeah, that's it. Get on board the Wolverine bandwagon. Otherwise, you might do the the two claws on either side of the head and then one straight up through the middle to me. Um, I I think he's good because he's – well, sorry. I think that he's the best. Um, Agreed. You, you guys can't see this, but he's staring me down. Um, I think that he's the best because uh, he's – He's a bit of an anti-hero and he's, I like him for the same reasons that I like Batman in that he's, you know, he's kind of on the edge and you're not, he's, he's a little bit of a loose cannon and you're not really sure if he's just going to go feral and start killing people because his, his morals and his, his conscience seem to be, you know, a little bit different to, to a lot of the goody two-shoes type superheroes. And, and, you know, like I've said before, I think the flaws in his character make him relatable and... Because we're all flawed, and 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 that's that's what makes a good character, whether it's in a comic book or a movie or a novel or, or whatever. That's that's what makes characters interesting is is the flaws in them, because you can project bits of yourself. In and he was there. a much more tortured dude when we were kids. Like w- yeah. the Wolverine that is in comics today and now, primarily on film, mm. is a really different dude than when we were kids. I mean. Wolverine certainly hit at the sweet spot where I was like, oh, man, he's super hardcore and he's got nails in his hands and stuff. Same reason I loved Gambit. And I'm like, he's yeah. the most extreme. He's got body armor but is also a ninja but also, like, has heaps of girlfriends and has a weird accent but playing cards as well and energy he's got purple. A gambling addiction. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I think Wolverine outlasts Gambit in terms of being awesome. Yeah. Uh, the Wolverine is the only superhero movie that my mum's ever expressed an interest in seeing and I think that's mostly the Hugh Jackman abdominal thing yeah. rather than an inherent interest in the character. He's massive in this film. I read a, uh, an interview with him where he talked about his eating and exercise regime and that's some dedication. Right? He's got – he's like 
I reckon at least 45% veins yep, in yep. this film. And he is as big as a bear. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but he's still only quite a short guy, which, you know, I think that's the other thing I liked about Wolverine is, you know, I'm often accused of having little man complex because I'm only five foot nine. Um, I like the fact that Wolverine was shorter than me and still super tough. Yeah. <laughs> I remember reading comics when I was a kid and it was uh, unfortunately collecting comics in the 90s, which is widely regarded as the worst of all comics ever. Mm. And in retrospect, yeah, that's that's fair. Um, But there were so many stories about him just having no bloody idea who he was. Yeah, I remember personally desperately trying to collect the Weapon X stories, which uh, told the story sort of retrospectively about how he got the adamantium and the government kidnapped him and that sort of thing. Yeah. but everything was played for uh, for mystery, really. Like he had no he had no memories, and every time they'd introduce a part of his past, there was a big question mark over it, because they used the Weapon X program as like, well, they implanted heaps of memories in him, so you never really knew if he was remembering stuff correctly. And Sabretooth was like the ultimate troll in terms of just going, maybe I'm your dad, yeah. <laughs> and then he'd kill him and be like, no, your brother actually. Like, and you had no idea who he was, and that was quite evocative you know this and and he was much more fallible i think i think he's definitely power creeped over the years in terms of he used to be the guy who you could shoot a couple of times before he went down and then he got to a point where i think he just like ate an (laughs) (laughs) a-bomb and got blasted down to a skeleton and was like man this is going to take literally minutes to recover from uh and but i quite like in the in the film universe they've cut straight to like Screw it. If you think about it, if this guy can recover from anything, if he regenerates, then he's probably immortal. So given given that you like that aspect of mystery from his past um, and, and, you know, the fact that he doesn't really know where he's from, how did you feel about the first movie? I mean, aside from the god-awful special effects, <laughs> um, how did you feel about the X-Men Origins Wolverine where they basically show you the definitive, this is how he grew up and Sabretooth's his brother and... This is, you know, how he works in Weapon X. Does that take away some of what makes him appealing as a character, do you reckon? Well, I think the... I mean, the comics had sort of jettisoned that a long time ago anyway. Like, Mm. they've told the definitive story of Wolverine now. Yeah. Um, And I think I'm quite comfortable with the sort of the X-Men movie universe being its own thing because, frankly, I've read, like, too many Wolverine stories for it to be healthy in any way. Like, (laughs) I really should have... Like, I didn't have many friends at all we as a child. form some sort of support group for yeah. people like you. <laughs> so, I don't need the, the movies to reproduce what happened in the comics because yep. I've read them. Mm. Uh, I mainly just want to see Wolverine stab everyone yep. because seeing him, like, at full flight emotion is one thing that I can't get from printed stories. Uh, so, oh. I was always comfortable with them going, this is this version of the characters, that sort of thing. I think the Wolverine Origins question is queered a bit by the fact that that movie is like the worst fucking movie in the world <laughs> where he's got like Roger Rabbit claws and there's an old couple for 10 minutes and he gets shot in the memory at the end. Yeah. Um, and with adamantium bullet. Yeah, exactly. Of and course. De- and you have Deadpool in it who's Deadpool up until he stops being Deadpool and then they name him Deadpool, but then he's Cyclops. He's the he's the worst. Yeah. That movie fills me with white hot hate, oh, especially because I love Wolverine so hard. Let's move let's move past it then, because um, I'm also a little concerned about the amount of stabbing you're talking about and the fact that you're sitting on the side of the room where my knife drawer is. <laughs> um, but I, I thought possibly the most promising part of the the first film was the after credits scene where you see him and he's in a bar in Japan, 
Yeah. And you go, oh, wow, they're going to do the, the whole Japanese story. And then we got the Wolverine movie and it's set in Japan. Um, interestingly, it doesn't seem to be set off the back of the first one because that happened at the end of the first one and then presumably the next – the, sorry, the first three X-Men movies actually take place after that. Yeah, at um, present the Wolverine film seemed to bookend – the entire X-Men yeah, franchise, so, really. So that kind of jarred me a little bit when I first started watching it. I was – and he's having the hallucinations of Jean and she's dead and I was sort of going, hang on, is this set after the first one or is this set after X3 or where mm. does it sit? But then you sort of get into the flow of, of this story and it's, it's set after X3 and with a flashback to some point in between – the first movie actually that's that's a point i didn't consider is that the beginning of it is set uh with him in japan back around the time of the war yeah and so maybe that's where he was when that he was could be the thing the, yeah okay, i admittedly I, didn't have that whole thought process because i just flat out forgot that that <laughs> scene existed having having been shot with my own adamantium bullet of whiskey shortly after watching that film um but yeah so the wolverine i thought was a just an enormous step up for a Wolverine film yeah. and was a Wolverine film. Like I think the character of Wolverine started quite strongly uh, in the first X-Men film yep. and much like the comic books started off as sort of an ensemble character and then by the end was the star just because everyone went, he's awesome. Yeah. Um, which by the time you get to about X-Men 3, he's instead of being like the angry loner guy who's there out of sort of a strange feeling that he needs to do the right thing even though he's full of anger by the end of it he's sort of standing on the hilltop waving the american flag yeah, saying becomes kids the leader we, of just, the pack. we need to help everybody because love exists and Can't that's we all just get along yeah so i thought this was a nice return to uh you know i feel bad for him but it's a nice return to the wolverine character because he goes back to just being horribly tortured yeah and they do a really good job uh, of giving him a nice character arc in dealing with sort of the pain of immortality and what it would be like. Mm. Like him having killed Gene is a nice way to sort of immediately dramatise that idea that he's going to have to watch everyone he loves die because he's going to be hanging out forever. Yeah. And if you're a terrible person whose main role in life is to kill people, you're going to end up with more pain than happiness probably. There's a bit of a Highlander theme going on there i was waiting when he was talking to when um what's the, i can't think of the japanese guy's name now it's completely slipped my mind uh that was his name was highlander <laughs> <laughs> when the kurgan's talking to him um and when the guy's talking to him and he says you know you're gonna have to watch everyone you love die and immortality sucks i was almost expecting queen to start blaring as the soundtrack with who wants to live forever <laughs> um, i like your movie better than the movie so i was a little bit disappointed when that didn't happen but I, I i do think that that's a really interesting kind of theme to explore with with somebody who is ostensibly immortal and it's while he's tortured in the first films and you, you get the impression that there's this kind of backstory as to why he's angry and and whatnot at the world um he, he doesn't really that, – that's sort of part of his weakness. But I, I think this exposes a whole nother sort of side where you, you realise that as, as cool and as tough as he is and he can take a beating and, you know, heal from it, um, there's a downside to that and, and that is 
you know, he, he, he can't die effectively, we don't think. Um, mm, he effectively starts the film waiting to die yeah. and super bummed out because he knows quietly that that's never going to rock up. I think uh, – and one thing that – so obviously our first episode – was us reviewing the Superman film. And well, re- reviewing or, or hating on. Yeah, on, hating on. Depending on your, your point of view. Uh, I think it's important to point out that this podcast is not going to be a comic book movie podcast. What it is, obviously, is a sad beard podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the, one, the one thing that links this uh, with the previous episode is the excellent use of the sad beard. Yes. Like, when he starts off and he kills that bear, you are sort of like... This is just two bears having a fight. <laughs> and just just to highlight how much more awesome than everyone Wolverine is, his sad beard <laughs> leaves Superman's sad beard for dead. Oh, man. You, you would think that a man from another planet would, would probably be able to grow an otherworldly beard. <laughs> but Logan rocks up and just goes, son. And I like the fact that it's Hugh Jackman who's Australian because the line in my mind is, that's not a beard. <laughs> this is a beard. I think it make if you think about it, beard of steel versus adamantium beard. Um, you know who's going to win? Yep. Obviously, adamantium beard. You um, and if you could get some kind of superheated adamantium beard, <laughs> that wins all beards. <laughs> Spoilers. The the imagery of him at the beginning is very reminiscent of um, in the comic books after uh, Magneto pulls all the adamantium off his bones, mm. um, and you find out that he's sort of the adamantium's halted yeah. his mutation a little bit and he starts to go a bit feral and he's hanging out in the, the woods around Xavier's school and, you know, he's grown the really long hair and he's turning into something that's maybe not quite human. And I thought at the beginning, as as sad as the sad bid was, it sort of conjured up that imagery of, of those comics yeah. for me where he's sort of – he has gone a little bit feral and he's living out in the woods and his only friend seems to be a bear and – Yeah, <laughs> he tragically loses. <laughs> yeah. I think the bear's interesting because, you know, you're dealing with this idea of he's going to outlive everybody that he loves and then he outlives the bear and so he goes and gets a bit of vengeance for that to make him feel better and that's how he gets discovered. I think an example of why Wolverine still just keys in to the, like, 14-year-old kid in me is the idea that um, they they give him time to, like, look the bear in the eyes and be like, don't make me do this, bear. And then he has to kill the bear to put it out of its yep, misery. Yep. And it's a proper thing. Like, you're like, I respect that guy because he doesn't want to just kill that bear. He respects all life. He has and then, a bond with the bear. Yeah. And then for the rest of the movie, if you're a dude, just death. Just mega death. Like, he stabs so many people. <laughs> and there's something quite sort of teenage excitement about that, about I have a code which also allows me to be super radical in terms of murdering people. Like, I think... <laughs> If at the age of 14 you had to go, what's my moral code? You would be like, well, I'm going to, you know, I really think that two gay people should be allowed to be married and also I should always have Uzis for hands and just kill everybody who cuts me off in traffic. I reckon Peter should get on board with Wolverine as their mascot and <laughs> do some sort of ad campaign where he's, you know, fur is murder. And yeah. Snit. <laughs> I'd rather lose my healing factor than wear fur. <laughs> so, the Wolverine... We have Not waffled sure. a lot up into yeah. the to the intro of this. Give me your your back of the case quote from Justin. What is the movie like? I I actually liked it. I I've been struggling with this. I walked out of the cinema and 
the, the big difference between this and Man of Steel is we didn't actually go and see this together. And, and so you saw it while you were on holidays and then I thought, gee, I better go catch up on this so we can talk about it and annoy people. Um, and I, I just walked, didn't know what to think. Yeah, well, I walked out and I didn't have anyone around me to, to discuss it with. Should I grow a sad beard? Should I not grow a sad beard? <laughs> I'm going to let it go with what, the What's going to happen with my bear friend? Um, and so I've been mulling this over in my mind and, and we've hung out since the movie and deliberately not talked about it to try and sort of keep this a little bit fresh. And so at, at the risk of sounding like I can't form an opinion on superhero movies without your help, <laughs> um, I've really struggled with what I thought about it. There were bits that I, I thought, this is great. There are other bits where I went, oh, this is dragging a little bit. On the whole, I, I think it was really good. And if they'd made this as a standalone movie, if none of the other X-Men movies existed, yep. I think this would have been f- – absolutely phenomenal film to just do as an initial piece because it's not the beginning of the story it's not an origin movie i think if you may if you were making movies just for comic book fans who have got some sort of um presumed knowledge mm-hmm. assumed knowledge um knowledge prior knowledge comic knowledge um you could <laughs> college as it were <laughs> i'm really sorry about that that so hard i think if you were making a movie uh just for comic book fans if you if you weren't making a movie for a larger audience and you could assume that they already had some knowledge of the backstory of this character this is a great piece of story to tell uh it's it's not overly popular it's not weighed down by uh other characters and i think in the first wolverine movie they sort of tried to cram a little bit too much into the beginning uh, story with cameos and... They do the know. George Lucas prequel thing. Look at this thing. It's the thing that makes the thing you like. Yeah, yeah. And and this was very much... It was a Wolverine story. Mm. Um, so do you feel like it was weighed down by the existence of the other films? I don't. I think... I don't think it was weighed down. And I think the other films are, are important for it because... You, you do have to reach a lar- larger audience. And even though, you know, the comic book fans have largely won the, the movie battle in terms of getting this stuff made now. Yeah, we win um, culture. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you, you need to have those other films because if he's hallucinating about this redhead woman, if the audience haven't seen the other films and they haven't read the comic books, they're going to go, who is Jean? What, why is she dead? What's mm. up with that? So they're necessary, but I think standalone, this is probably the best movie uh, that hinges off the back of of other movies because I quite liked Thor as a standalone movie, yeah, as well. Um, and that's obviously feeding into the Avengers and, and the new Thor movie. But this has got uh, this is the fourth, fifth X Men sort of themed movie, um, and I think perhaps in spite of some of the other movies. This is, this is a great film in its own right. Mm. Uh, and it, it's got, you know, a multifaceted kind of story, which is it is a superhero movie, but and I think one of the things that you mentioned that you like about it is that it's, there's a love story in there as well. I don't find the juxtaposition of those two things jarring. I think it's been written in such a way and filmed in such a way that they blend very seamlessly together. I think that's a hard thing to do in any movie. And you, you see it in superhero movies a lot and it's, I find it a little jarring sometimes that you're jumping from 
superhero smashing bad guys in the face to sensitive guy in love with girl from another planet or, or, yeah. or whatever the story may be. I think it's harder again with a character like Wolverine and slash Logan. Slash. Who is – that was intentional. <laughs> who's – is an angry guy and he's, you know, a bit rough around the edges and he's feral and he's gruff – uh, and you you contrast that to his love interest, who is quite refined by the nature of Japanese culture. She's sort of quiet, introvert, um, mm. but but still a strong. You, you get the impression that she's not weak at all. She's she's actually pretty kick ass. Uh, I like I like the there's the contrast between the two of them and yet the love story feels very natural. It doesn't feel like it's been bolted onto a superhero movie just so that we can influence a certain demographic with, oh, there's a love story here. It, it's a very natural story and I think maybe that's why I struggled to form an opinion because it's in a lot of ways it's different from any of the other superhero movies with the way that's framed and I sort of walked out of there going, well, what, what, what did I just watch? That was, it, you know, it had elements of... Wolverine and the love story. Was it? A, was did I just watch a chick flick, or did <laughs> I just watch a comic book movie? Or I'm sure you probably had the same thing I had, which is when they when they were talking about the concept of the film, which is the you know Wolverine goes to Japan. I was like, I'm really excited about this because I want to see Wolverine stab all the ninjas in the world, and that's the immediate like comic book guy in my brain is like, I can't wait to see Wolverine just open up on everyone who was ever born in Japan. Uh, so, yeah, it's surprising when you go into the film and it's like a sort of slow burn romantic drama. Yeah. I should say I really enjoyed this film and but I can see that a lot of maybe traditional Wolverine fans may not like it mm. because, if anything, I got disappointed when about, you know, three quarters halfway through the film, it's it started moving away from being that sort of romantic drama and started moving more towards a conventional superhero film. Yep. And I was like, no, I'm surprisingly enjoying... What's going on? I liked Wolverine being uh, quite fallible and I liked him just being sort of transplanted into this weird family's story and yeah. just sort of trying to figure out what the hell was going on. I thought there was some nice laughs in here with the love motel and that sort of thing. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, I think it it suffered in the same way Origins did. I think the reason the ending bugged me so much was because they both, the big samurai robot guy just reminded me of Deadpool too much in terms mm. of like a last minute we need to – they both seemed like they just bolted a like a villain mm. onto the end. They realised they needed to have a physical confrontation at the end and they hadn't really laid the groundwork for that. Yeah. Um, and that's – is that supposed to be Silver Samurai? Was that the – I assume so. Which like, is a very different version yeah. of Silver Samurai. Which is very um, – like superhero movies pre this sort of Marvel boom of sort of taking control and honouring the characters is the – like the Silver Samurai's and that old school model of like, his name's Silver Samurai, so we'll make him out of silver and make him a samurai and people will go nuts. And you're like, <laughs> no, that's not what I'm in it for. Um, I mean, this, this movie was more aggravating because I feel like they had earned um, a pretty good physical confrontation with Crazy Snake Lady and yep. her army of ninjas. I feel like you could have had a much more satisfying fight of Wolverine. One thing I did miss was I wanted him to I, – I didn't get the – Wolverine kills a thousand ninjas thing, mm. which is one of my all-time faves in terms of things I like to see happen, which says more about me than films, Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, Psycho. But yeah, I just, 
man, I just I really enjoyed this film. I just I was entertained throughout. I There's thought it was fun. Some great moments in it. That right at the beginning, and, and my memory's a, a little bit hazy, but you don't ever actually find out why he's in the hole in the the Japanese no. prison, which I really like that they've just left that on. For some reason, he's a prisoner in a Japanese camp. Yep. Um, and then you, you really see that honourable part of him where he calls, calls the guy down and shields him from because the, the bomb's about to be dropped by the Yankee Blue Jeans. Yeah, and those guys. He's, he sort of says, well, you know, even though this guy and his mates have kept me down the bottom of this hole, I'm going to save him. And he waves him over. And I, that was, I was glad that was at, right at the very beginning because I did still have the horrors in my head from the crappy special effects on the last one and the bit where the bomb goes off and he basically burns to oh, man. pieces and it was such a great shot and I went, all right, they've, that, they've done all right. The start, the, that opening of this film with him in the hole and the mm. plane coming over and the guys killing them, like the whole opening of this film is wonderful. Yeah. Really gets you excited early uh, in vast contrast to the, beginning of origins which is like a kid with toothpicks running towards his dad for like an hour and a half um no i i really enjoyed that and i'd like that this movie respects the audience in terms of it's it's clearly continuing on from the other films yeah but it, it doesn't really i was sort of surprised at the level at which it just doesn't give a shit about uh he never turns to the camera to and goes much, does it yeah, that's Jean Grey, my girlfriend who went crazy and called herself the Phoenix in X-Men 3 and so I had to stab her in the stomach and blah, blah, blah. Like it evokes all that stuff. Now available on DVD. Yeah. And mm. given that it is, as you say, the Wolverine, mm. it doesn't have the word X-Men on it. It's a standalone story. Yep. Um, it is really intrinsically linked to that universe and having him in the hole is sort of evoking uh, X-Men Origins where we learn that he's just fought in every conflict. Uh, so it it ties into everything, but doesn't ever like i don't i don't it's recall them really saying the word mutant at all and i liked mm. that when his um offsider arrives and she obviously has the mutant power of being able to see people die yep i don't know it's my creepy cynical comic book brain but i kept expecting her to like turn to him and say yes i can see through the future because i'm a mutant like mm. you we are homo superior the next evolution of human beings wink audience wink <laughs> and i quite like they didn't do that they were just yep. like we've both got our own shit going on and I think one guy says, like, oh, you people are gross or something. Yeah. Um, there's not really any effort spent on trying to get you up to speed. Mm. And I think it works in its own. I'd be interested for someone who only saw this if they knew what was going on, especially with Gene and that sort of stuff. Uh, but I liked that. Yeah. And I think the, other, the only other point I'd make is the thing that Marvel seems to have really figured out that I don't know if DC has so far is I'm liking – all of their superhero films. I've sort of figured out that superhero films as a genre are pretty much played out in terms of playing it straight. Yep. So you need to have a superhero slash something film. Like yeah. This is sort of your... More depth to it. Yeah. And I mean, this is not the best example because it's like a superhero and Japan movie or mm. samurai film, but not super great. But it's a bit... It's, it's its own thing. Like, I like that. And Thor is obviously a sort of God sci-fi crazy movie and Captain America's a war movie and that sort of thing. So they really, each movie is, is a totally different beast, yeah. which I like. The thing I said to a lot of people about Thor was uh, that if you don't like superhero movies, you could actually still go and watch Thor and it was a really good movie without necessarily being a superhero movie. Uh, I, I don't think The Wolverine's quite in the same league, but... It is one of those films that 
does quite well standing in its own right and still manages to have enough threads that tie it back to the universe at large. The other thing that they did, which I think was was really well done and it was one of the things that we both sort of picked on when we saw Iron Man 3, was part of the key, one of the key parts to the story is he loses his healing factor. He, you take some of his power away to make him weak. Um, where they kind of arguably messed that up a little bit in Iron Man 3. I thought that was quite well done in this film. They sort of took his power away, but it didn't become... They didn't then put him in these ridiculous situations where you go, oh, gee, he's lost his healing factor. Yeah. How's he going to get out of this one? Whoops, and a days. It, it was handled, handled quite gracefully, I thought. And, you know, it slows him down and there's a bit where he gets shot in the knee. Mm. And he... he realizes that he's he's got this weakness but he doesn't i guess not everything hinges on it he if that makes sense he sort of he sort of gets on with the job and it shows a level of depth to the character and the sort of person that he is that he's not just a guy with superpowers there's something a bit more going on here uh, that's enough to keep you interested that even when he's he's got his healing factor inhibited uh, the, the movie still keeps a good pace. It still stays interesting. You're not, you don't spend the whole time going, I wonder if he's going to get his power back. I feel like if the movie had ended and he didn't actually get the healing power back, the, the story had changed somehow and he was going to be lose his healing factor and, and become mortal or, or whatever the case may be, I would have actually been okay with that. Mm. The fact that he gets it back is cool because he then goes and does a bunch of cool stuff with it. But, yeah, if he hadn't... It wouldn't have been the end of the world. They could easily have made another movie where he doesn't have the healing factor and it would have been okay. Mm, and they give it nice depth as well. I quite liked the the action was really sort of intelligently directed, I thought, in terms of they they communicate to the audience that his healing factor is on the fritz. Yep. Um, I would argue that, I mean, I certainly had the impression that it was completely gone, but then mm. he gets shot probably eight times. Mm. So I was like, oh, it's just, it's, it's getting there. not quite as... But it's not super great. There's no obvious Eric Idle kind of nudge, nudge, wink, wink, no healing factor here moment. It's, yeah. it's implied really nicely. Uh, but they, uh, they really give it weight. Once you, the audience, realise that his healing factor's gone, mm. they pay attention to, like, he gets shot a lot, but each of those shots... You flinch yeah. and you can see that he's still fighting in a way where he's like, oh, if I get shot a couple of times, who gives a shit? I'm fucking Wolverine. Yep. Um, but you, the audience, he gets shot and recoils and you can see him freaking out and it just it really tells a nice story that way mm. um, and makes it – it gives you back that sort of juvenile power fantasy at the end where he gets his healing factor back and he's like, I'm going to win a sword fight with you, not because I'm a better swordsman, but because you can stab my heart all the times and I don't even give a rat's ass. He's, you, you feel a sense of he's, he's more than just his power. He's, he's driven by something else. And in this, in this case, it's largely his, his love for Mariko. And the scene where he rocks up at the town before he's going up to the tower and the ninja guys who have been protecting the family for generations are shooting the arrows with the ropes yep. to pull him back. And you've got that fantastic sky shot where he's got about 100 arrows in the back of him. And this is after he's, after he's pulled the thing out that's inhibiting his healing factor. 
but he's got those hundred arrows and even it's it's too much for him, but he's still trying. He's still and there's that fantastic shot where he's kind of splayed open, uh, almost like Jesus on the cross, with <laughs> all of these arrows kind of pinning him open in that cross like position. It's it's such a fantastic shot and it shows it continues to show that even after he's got the power back to regenerate and heal, he's still got that determination and that drive coming from something that's not a superpower, but that's just from within him, pushing him to get past this, and you know, ultimately is overcome by it. But I, I just I thought it was such a cool scene because it, it it highlights that point even more that he's still he's not dependent on his power to do big powerful things. It mm. helps, and you see that it helps in that particular scenario. But it's not the be-all and end-all of him, whereas in the Iron Man movie when he, the suit was sort of on the fritz, it was a bit, bit lacklustre because of it. And he's, yeah. Well, and I think in Iron Man 3 you and I both had the trouble where uh, Tony Stark is having panic attacks and then he gets over it sort of by accident at the end. Yeah. Whereas, whereas this one's quite obvious in the way that he has, you know, the tried and true dream conversation with the the dream girl who's holding him back and says, no, I let you go. And like they yep. do the, the obvious, I'm moving past my issues. At least Wolverine drives the story yeah. in this film. Probably one more point I'd like to make before we talk about the end of the film is that Hugh Jackman is just super great as Wolverine. He is. I think he's right up there with Robert Downey Jr. in terms of any time I hear any talk that they won't be playing the character anymore, I get super stressed out because they just own it. Like, yep. to my mind, you Hugh feel Jackman... Like it was a, a part that he was born to play. Yeah, he's Wolverine yep. and he's just wonderful at it. And I, I really thought he did another good job in this film. Yeah, so mm. I think he's signed on for X-Men Days of Future Past. Yeah. Which is great. Uh, I'm torn about if that's the last one that he's going to make, should they include Wolverine in any more movies. But I think it hurts because they like that's the thing. If Hugh Jackman and Robert Downey Jr. both say we're out, then within two years we'll have a Iron Man versus Wolverine team-up film that stars two members of the Jonas Brothers or something, <laughs> you know? which is super upsetting. But super Jonas Force. Yeah. It's the double-edged sword of someone who just owns it. The double-edged yeah. heated sword. Uh, speaking of double-edged heated sword, this is like, I don't, you know, is there any point saying spoilers at this point? No, I think we've pretty much just ruined yeah, the whole film it. again. Uh, this is the Spoiling Movies podcast with Justin and Stefan. Uh, Wolverine gets his claws cut off super hard. Which is fantastic. Which is super awesome. And he doesn't get them back. And right. at the end of the film, it cuts forward and he's still like bone claws guy. Yeah, and we see the setup for, since we're talking about the end of it and since we're spoiling everything... Um, Mid-credits, not end of credits, which yeah. was great because I didn't have to sit around for five minutes worth of credits to see if there was a, a secret scene. Which I was a huge fan because even though you know that there's always one at the end of the credits, when you're the only one in the cinema and it's been seven minutes and the guy's like cleaning up all the popcorn, <laughs> you're like, I'm just ruining these guys' shift. I'm this sitting is... there going, I'm, I'm wasting my life. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so mid-credits, we get the scene where he bumps into Magneto and Xavier. Uh, and the old versions of them played by Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen. Which is mega cray given that the rest of the movie is such a uh, – the rest of the movie is so self-contained. Yeah. And then you get to the mid-credits and it's like, oh, FYI, super enmeshed in that X-Men universe. Here's all your faves. And I loved that So because I was wondering, well, there's obviously going to be some sort of credits scene. What are they going to do with it? And then yeah. you hear – you see um, – 
everybody stop and you sort of go, oh, hang on, this is familiar. Yeah. And then you hear Ian McKellen's voice and I, I didn't squeal audibly. Uh, yeah. But I mean, was I, I wasn't there, <laughs> to, be, to be fair. This is, I've got to go start seeing all movies by myself, so there's no yeah. witnesses to my squealing. But um, I saw it in Sydney. I, you, for all you know, I cried in the aisle. <laughs> <laughs> so there's this fantastic setup for uh, Days of Future Past, and I like that he doesn't have the adamantium claws back. Mm. Do you want them to give them back to him before that movie starts, or would you be happy with him in that with just the bone claws Tearing it up. The comic book fan in me wants, uh, just can't help but want that continuity of starting the film right where this one left off. So he's got the bone claws. Yep. Um, like despite myself, like he got the one set cut off and mm. I was like, oh, he's only going to have one set of claws. Mm. That's a slight inconvenience and was properly shocked when they cut the other ones off. I was like, oh, this is a thing. Um, and was quite, was immediately like, oh, I, I wonder how they'll, put them back because mm. I have to put them back because yeah. it's Wolverine, uh, which is depressing. It's depressing that my brain does that. Um, but it was properly excited that they just had the stones to go. No. He, he's not getting them back. Suck it. Even though Comic like the fans. last scene is like the fucking master of magnetism <laughs> rocks up. Who? And let's be fair. And the, the, the days of future past could start with Magneto walking out like in a surgical gown going like, I'll put his claws back in. He'll yeah. be out in a, in a sec. You know? And you'd be okay with that. And I'm cool with it. I'd, I'd be probably bummed out if they just started the film and he had the claws. My first thought, when they cut the claws off, my, my first thought was slightly different. My first thought was, I hope they cut his hand off and we get the Age of Apocalypse Wolverine in the next movie where he's got the <laughs> metal cap over one hand yeah. and he's still got the claws in the other hand. And remember right at the end of the Age of Apocalypse where he busts the claw out through the yeah. metal cap and you find out because they've gone back up into his arm. That was super boss. Um, Maybe that's why I was like just quietly okay when they cut off one set of claws and then when they cut off the two, I was like, that's a bridge too far. <laughs> I haven't seen this in a comic book before. How dare you? Um, no, I, I would like them to uh, reference it, I think. Mm. And as we said, like there's a million different crazy sci-fi comic book ways they could stick them back on. Yep. Uh, but yeah, you wouldn't want him to just open up at them. Are you excited for Days of Future Past? I'm stoked for it. I've, I immediately, I didn't even make it out of the cinema before I was reading the Wikipedia article on it. <laughs> I looked at the teaser poster. There's this fantastic uh, teaser video, which I didn't, I have not even seen an announcement about this, but I stumbled across it when we were talking about it at work. Uh, there's a teaser video for Days of Future Past, which is an ad advertisement for Trask Industries. Oh, really? Uh, so go and watch that. Because I want to go to there. It's really, really cool. And I saw also a still photo of... I'm trying to think who the director for Days of Future Past is. Steven Spielberg? No. Peter Jackson? No. It's not George Lucas either. <laughs> but Brett it's, Ratner? It's, is that his? I don't know. Oh, it it's the be. guy who did the first two, isn't it? Is it? I think so. Brian Singer? I don't know. It we, could be. Let's cut this bit out where we're talking yeah. about all the directors and stuff. Yeah. There's is a it? photo of him standing next to a life-size sentinel. I'm in. And I may have just sort of wandered out of the workplace into the toilet to have a, have a quiet <laughs> moment to myself after I saw that. So I'm, I'm super stoked for this next film. Yeah. Because I, I think it's a great story. It's got some fantastic characters from the X-Men First Class. It's got some great faves from the other X-Men movies, including Colossus, who is my all-time favourite X-Men. So I'm just automatically on board because of that. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, I think it's going to be a fantastic, fantastic film. It seems pretty comic book dream. Into uh, All I've seen of it really is the Comic-Con picture where they've got all of the cast lined up yeah. and it's all the cast from the old trilogy and the f- first class. Yep. And you know I'm just in the tank for time travel no matter what. So mm. anything that mushes everything together, um, oh man, it just it looks really exciting. Yeah, it's, there's a lot that they could do with it. I'm also very cautious that there is a lot that they could potentially screw up with it. Oh, it's a high degree of failure. Yeah. But, but that's what makes it exciting. Yeah, we, I think we'll give it the benefit of the doubt and uh, see how it goes. So, given that we, we hate it on Superman with low star ratings, yep. what, are, what are you going to give the Wolverine? I'd probably give it a four. Four? Yeah, yeah okay. out of five. I think I'm going to give it the same. I, I do think it was a, a, a great film and I think it's, like you said, now that we're past some of this, I, I think – to continue to make superhero films, the studios are going to have to start to do something a bit more interesting. And I think this is a fantastic blueprint for what that something more interesting is in terms of seamlessly pulling together the love story piece and the superhero bit and, and a new set of challenges and, and something that we haven't necessarily seen before. So I'm going to go with, with four as well. Yeah, I think it had its uh, flaws, obviously, but... I just, I really walked out of there uh, just wishing I could be Wolverine again like when I was a kid. <laughs> so that's got to count for something. And that's, that's really what it's all about is if you're, and I, you know, I did it after Spider-Man as well where I'm running around pretending that I'm slinging webs and I did it after this where I was running around pretending I've claws, especially walking through the dark car park in the cinema afterwards. I was thinking, <laughs> man, if someone comes out, me and my yeah. adamantium claws are going to fuck that shit up. <laughs> I'm going to snick to that guy so hard you don't even know about it. <laughs> So I think next time we should maybe talk about something that's not a movie so I that agree. we don't get into the trap of people thinking that this is a movie review podcast. Because one of my friends said to me today, oh, you do, if you do the Wolverine one straight after the Superman one and then you do something else that's not movies, people are just going to stop listening. And I thought that was really sweet because it meant that he assumed that people were actually going to listen to a second episode <laughs> after they heard the first one. And I went, that's high praise if people are going to stop listening after the second one. Yeah. So next time we'll try and find something that's, you know, kind of geeky and interesting to us and we'll let people in on our conversation. It'll probably just be me playing Spoons, I reckon, <laughs> just to really mix it up. You're the Jar Jar Binks in the edit of my life. <laughs>